In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. I have a question for you. Deliberately thought-provoking. What if you are missing out on the best job of your life? We are talking to all of you out there today. What if you're missing out on the best job of your, I'll add, freaking life? Right. So we're going to dive into that before we do a couple of real quick announcements. One, this week, Nicole finished her medical procedures masterclass. Almost 250 of you guys have already seen that. If you wanted to check that out, you can find that at Pelvic PT Rising slash procedures all about the medical procedures for pelvic pain. The replay is up and you guys can order that whenever you would like to go through that along with the cheat sheet that goes along with it. So that was that. That was fun, right? That was super fun. And I hopefully feel like it was really beneficial for everybody. It sure seemed like everybody that happened to be on there live was. I'm really excited to be able to offer all of that to you guys to help your patients make better decisions with what medical procedures they may or may not need. Announcement number two, Pelvicon is about a month away, which is crazy. Nicole and I actually, as you guys are listening to this, are probably on a plane to Atlanta meeting with Jessica and Andrew, getting everything set up for Pelvicon. But just a reminder, if you are coming, make sure that you buy your add-ons, the post-con, the Saturday closeout dinner, the business owner's lunch. Those are going to be only available until the end of August. So make sure you get those so that we can get everything squared away before you come. If you are not attending it live this year, that is okay. You can actually get a recording of all of the material, all the speakers, all the content. It's going to just be out of control, but you can get all of that and get access to that. That's at pelviccon.com slash recording. You guys can get that. So those are the announcements there. We also have a really exciting thing that's going to tie into this episode about a hiring directory for cash PTs, but I will talk about that later. Nicole, What if you're missing out on the best job of your life? And if you guys don't know, we run a cash-based practice. We are very biased, but we've thought about this a lot. And so we want you to know our bias going in. But we think it is an incredible opportunity to work at a cash practice. And it's not an opportunity that even existed three, four, five years ago. Yeah. And so, you know, when we talk to a lot of people, one of the things that I was kind of surprised at is that every time that Pelvic Sanity is hiring, and by the by the way, Pelvic Sanity is hiring, but every time Pelvic Sanity hires, we get, a, you know, a fair amount of applicants. But to us, I'm always like, wow, man, with as many pelvic PTs and OTs that are out there, it should be like lining up at the door. I feel like, you know, and maybe it's because we're speaking to you guys and you guys are all like, rah, rah, cash BT is the best. But 
I just feel like where are all of the people that that would want to take advantage of this great opportunity? And when I'm talking to some of you guys about that, just asking legitimate questions about, gosh, what are your hangups about it? Some of the responses that I've gotten are really, really interesting. And I guess it's a little bit, Jesse always says that this is like a little bit of the curse of expertise. We're so in it. We teach it. We have people in our business mentorship go through it that sometimes we forget that there are some really basic things and assumptions that you may have that we are going to address today about working for a cash-based pelvic PT practice. Well, and talking about that a little bit, so we mentioned that that is a new position, that that's not something that existed a while ago. Because when we started public sanity, basically, six years ago, you had two choices. You worked for an insurance-based practice or you started your own thing. Right. And you were a solopreneur. And in fact, I'll never forget as late as, you know, the last time I went to CSM, it was Denver in 2020, right before the whole world shut down. I was at one of a, a business talk there and there was people in front of me, directly in front of me, and they didn't know who I was or anything like that. But they were saying things about how a cash practice, you know, there's no way that anybody could ever grow beyond themselves, that it was only a good model if it was a solopreneur and only if you lived in an affluent area and all of these things. And I was just sitting there being like, at that point, I think I had as many we've had now, like eight employees. And it was just like, gosh, you guys are so misguided. But it's not their fault, right? They just have all these assumptions that they're just sharing with each other. And then those assumptions just keep perpetuating the field. So we're here to bust a few of these myths and address some of those assumptions that you guys might have to open up the door for you to potentially have different possibilities for you in your job search. And so we were thinking, you know, again, why? We feel like it should be those pictures of like the Great Depression and the soup kitchen of like lines around the block anytime somebody in a cash practice is hiring. And again, that's our own bias and our own thinking about that, right? But if we really think about what are the pros of working in a cash practice, there are a lot of them, right? Hour long or more treatment sessions, way less documentation, like way less, like a note should take you two minutes in a practice. We don't do what, I don't even know what we call them. What are the six-week check-in things you're supposed to do for insurance? Oh, progress notes. Like that we don't really even have to do those. It's just part of your the note that you're taking. But we don't have to send that to anybody. We don't have any insurance denials or anything like that because it's just – we just don't have that. Like we have a whole podcast on documentation and how a lot of what we learn in PT school is actually based on insurance-based things that we have to cover. And it's not the legality of documentation. So we do obviously cover the legality, but it makes it super short when you cut out all the insurance bullshit for documentation. So hour-long treatment sessions, way less documentation. You're working with really motivated, ideal patients. You're not getting the person wandering in who doesn't even know what you do and just says, hey, my doctor told me to come in. You can work with people into wellness. You can actually get people back to doing things they love instead of just resolving symptoms. You don't have to be beholden to any insurance company. All of those positives. So for that, we look at it and are like, why are people, honestly, why are people not lining up to try to find a cash practice? Like, why are people not DMing us all the time saying, hey, do you work with a business near me? I would love to work for a cash practice. And Nicole, you actually had a really interesting conversation with someone recently that I think shed a little light on that and helped us to realize that there are some of these unspoken narratives or in some cases true, in some cases false assumptions about what it's like working at a cash clinic. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like one of the most interesting things about that conversation that I had was that a lot of those assumptions, a couple of them were like, oh, that's a good point. Like, that's true. But a couple of them were completely false assumptions. And the thing that floored me was that she hadn't even talked to 
pelvic PTs or OTs to see if they could work. That was even a possibility, right? She had assumed a ton of stuff and then she had stopped there. And so she wasn't even open at that point to giving an opportunity to another job to see, oh, is my assumption that I'm going to get paid less or that people don't have access to care if I do this, is that actually true? So that was the biggest thing is that that not only were the assumptions, most of them were false, is that that, that stopped her from pursuing potential other avenues that may have been better serving her in her life. Yeah. So that's really the first thing that we want to talk about is if you're even considering that, if you are looking into another position, if you're not really happy where you are for whatever reason, broaden your scope a little bit and have that conversation, apply someplace, have that conversation and just see and see if some of those assumptions are true or not. But let me go through, we're going to hit some of the ones that that she mentioned, Nicole, in her DM with you, some other ones that we've heard over the years, just so we can go through, tell you if these things are true or false or depends on where you're going to be. But one of the first ones we always hear mentioned is kind of like the moral reasoning. I believe that people should have access to care. Therefore, and this is the unspoken part, right? People just say that they should have access to care. Therefore, I shouldn't work at a cash practice because they're excluding people and it just doesn't sit right with me. And this is an interesting one. And we should probably do a whole podcast on like the morality around this because the answer to that is that is somewhat true. We actually do have a podcast on this called Is Cash PT Unethical? Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember that? Go back and listen to it. We'll link it in the show notes, actually. Actually, if you could send me the link, I clearly need to go back and listen to it, too. But this is somewhat true. When you run a out-of-network clinic, there are going to be people that literally cannot come, that are not able to afford to come in. But this is where I, I think the rub is, and I think this is the thing that I think puts sometimes cash PTs and insurance practices a little bit of loggerheads. We all exclude people in some way, no matter where you work. We had somebody, it was a really interesting conversation on in the huddle about this. And somebody said, well, you know, one of the things I'm concerned about is access to care. And Nicole just asked, you know, hey, you work at an insurance place. You take all insurances, right? And they said, oh, no, we don't take Medicare. I was like, well, you're excluding one third of the adult human population. Yeah, of course. And the, she's working for someone else. So it's not her. But her practice that she's working at excludes Medicare. A lot of people will, even a lot of hospital-based systems will exclude certain HMOs. They'll exclude a certain plan of even of a PPO. So it's every single, and this is the tragedy of U.S. healthcare, but it is a system that we need to work in, is that everybody is making business decisions based on what's best for them, honestly, to keep a business running. And at the point when insurance reimbursement for physical therapy is down so significantly, thanks APTA, like then, then we have to exclude certain things. And it's not only cash practices that do that. Now, we're biased, but we're not dumb. We do understand that, that yes, that we might exclude a little bit more of that or make that a little bit less inclusive. However, you do need to understand that there are still choices for patients. So we are probably one of the biggest referrers to the local insurance-based, hospital-based program here. We will still help people find care if it can't be with us which we feel like we're the best, but if it can't be with us, then we're happy to find that person a place that does work with them. And that's great. So we can still be 
an advocate for pelvic PT and pelvic health, we can still have, we have community-based education programs. We go out and do talks. We raise awareness. There are other ways to scratch that itch of educating and making public health awareness of pelvic floor conditions more accessible to people. Yeah, and a couple of other things just to add in. I don't want to go too far down this road on this access to care idea, but once you see that everybody does have to exclude people, and we don't exclude them just by what insurance they take, that's one way we can think about that. But in the hospital system around here, outrageous cash prices. If you have a high deductible at our local hospital, you're going to be paying $450 to $550 for a 45-minute session. That's exclusionary to anyone who has a high deductible, which, by the way, is a lot of us these days. That would be me. I would be going in there and having to shell up $450 for a 45-minute session when I could come to Public Sanity for $185. Other things are like long waits are exclusionary. If you have a hospital system and you somebody can't get in for four months, you're excluding literally every pregnant person in the third trimester. Like that's exclusionary to have a long wait. It's exclusionary when you can only see people for the length of time that their insurance dictates. So if somebody's insurance says that they get kicked out after visit six, like that's excluding them from being able to have a full plan of care and have that access. So I just want to point out that this is a lot more muddied and we obviously all live in an imperfect medical system. I think we all can completely agree every single person deserves access to care. But I think the other thing that we believe very strongly is that people benefit from choices. Like that is what a capitalistic system is about. It's like people benefit from being able to decide, do I want to go to a cash practice or do I want to go to an insurance practice? It is much better to have that choice than being able to say, this is the only place in town that you can go. And I hope that you like it because that's it. And I think that that's one of those other things. I think the other thing that kind of trickles into this is I think it's a misconception that cash PT is like just a money grab. Like, oh, that's greedy, right? That's kind of where this this argument goes. And nobody really wants to say that out loud because it's mean, right? But I think that's a little bit of underlying perception. And I just want to flip that on its head a little bit because we've looked at this. We've looked at different business models. We've helped 150 cash practices start and grow. And if somebody came to me and said, hey, I want to make the most money humanly possible, I wouldn't tell them to start a cash practice. I would actually tell them to move to Washington State where reimbursement is the best in the country. I would tell them to start a insurance-based practice. I would tell them to hire PTAs and aides and pay them as low as humanly possible. I would tell them to hire new grads and only have them work with patients for 20 or 30 minutes directly. And that would be an absolute cash cow. If you're talking about what a cash grab looks like, that's it. In fact, now that I'm saying that, like I might be moving up to Washington. I'll see you in a couple of years, Nicole. Yeah, right. We don't. I'm like I don't own an umbrella, so that's not going to work. Right. I know I'll be moving by myself, but Seattle, here I come. But I mean, that is. So if you're talking about like what is that, and then we say, you know, hey, there's this also this contradiction of like, oh, PT should be paid more. It's like, well, who's driving the ability to pay them more? It's cash practices. So there's also a little bit of that dichotomy that I don't want to get too far into there, but that's kind of the access to care argument. And so if that's something that really is important to you and that you're volunteering pro bono all the time and you, you make it's proud to work at a clinic that takes every insurance under the sun, then fantastic. But if not, I want us to realize that we're all excluding some patients in a way and we can't be all things to all people at all times. You just can't do it. So that is kind of the access to care argument. Another one that's really big, and I think this is one that is underlying a lot of these other objections that we'll talk about a little bit later, but is the confidence. Are you worth $200 an hour? 
Because yeah. guess who's told you that you're not? Insurance companies tell you you're not. Your employer tells you you're not. Your PT school told you that you're not. And you had that reinforced over and over again. And 15 years in the practice has told you that. And I think that that's one of those things, right? Are you worth cash rates? That could be something that dissuades somebody from coming to work at a cash practice. Totally. And I can understand that. It is something that we talk about during our hiring process. Do you feel like you can provide that value of care to somebody? But if even if they say like, oh, I'm actually not sure or that makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable, the key here is that your the mentorship and the coaching that goes along with that is part of working for a cash-based practice because we do have to provide that much more value. And no, somebody can't just walk in here and pay 20 bucks and have you throw in the towel because you're having a bad day. It doesn't fly. So, but we can help you with that. And there are, and if you're willing to work and if you're willing to be open to changing some of your styles and stuff like that, then cool. Then we can help you do that and we can help you provide the best care possible. And that is something that goes along with that mentorship aspect of it as well. So we can help you with that. You don't have to come in with all of this massive amount of confidence. You have to come in with having a passion for helping people and a passion for our profession and for building patients' pelvic health to the maximum ability. That's what you have to have. You do not necessarily have to have the quote unquote confidence that you can provide that amount of skill, unless you're the owner. <laughs> right. And then you, you're done well you do. Here's a couple other ones on when we get to the real talk, right? I'll have to take a pay cut if I go and work at a cash based clinic. I'm not sure where this one came from, actually. Most of these, I'm like, oh, I kind of get that one. This one, typically not. Typically, your cash-based practice are going to pay significantly more. We pay about 25% more than the local hospital program. And we'll talk about benefits and how that all gets wrapped in there. But, I mean, to just throw it out there, like a starting position at Pelvic Sanity, it's more than $90,000 a year for a new grad. Like... It's not bad pay. <laughs> so, and it's deliberately not bad pay. So, usually when you're at a place, you will be paying a little bit more than what market rate is for you. Now, one of the trade offs, and this is another question we get, is what about benefits? And this is just one of the challenges of working at a small business, no matter where you work, is they're probably going to offer less in the way of benefits than a larger company. It just doesn't make as much sense. There's no cost savings that we can get if we get medical insurance for our clinic. There's no cost savings there over getting it for yourself. So I think that's another big misconception. It's like, oh, you have a company. You're going to be able to get a, a plan for your employees. Well, it's not this. It's I forget what it is, but it's at least 50 or 100 employees that you have to have until you get that a plan where you can have enough negotiation power with an insurance company to be able to have a really good plan for less money. So that's just a, a misconception. And I think the other misconception there is that you all can get medical insurance that's not tied to a job. Like that's literally what all of Obamacare was. So whether or not you are politically inclined to like that or not, that is a thing. It And that, I believe, is a good thing that it was now untethered. Your medical insurance is now untethered from your job in a lot of cases. So, you know, and that is for a person that is relatively 
younger and healthy and all that kind of stuff, like that can be a really good option for you if you are somebody that has a ton of medical issues and stuff like that. I mean, quite frankly, that is something that could be something that's a deal breaker for you. But just understand, like there's a lot of misconception around the fact that like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do about insurance? It's like, just get online and look because you can get an insurance plan that is probably pretty damn suitable for, you have to pay, right? But we all have to pay and you're paying even if you are at a big company, by the way, it's just coming out of your paycheck. Yeah, that might be a mind blown to everybody, but but they're not offering you health insurance out of the goodness of their heart. It is part of your package. And so what they're doing is decreasing your pay and adding in benefits, retirement, all this stuff that you may or may not need. And most cash practices, at least the ones that we work with, are going to be just a little bit more transparent and say, hey, here is the wheelbarrow full of money. You do with it what you want. If you want to go get great health insurance, great, pay a little bit more. If you want to get catastrophic health insurance because you're young and healthy and you're not going to the doctor that often, great, pay less. If you want to save money to get a house, fantastic. Then we're not going to force you to put money into a 401k when you don't want to be doing that. That's really just a little bit of a an ethical thinking on, not even ethical, it's just a difference of opinion in how to do that. I think it fits with the cash model of, hey, here is your full package. You decide what you want to do with your money. But if the benefits are really important to you, I would just challenge you, how much are those really worth? Oh, they don't provide health insurance. Yeah. Have you actually gone and looked how much would it cost to get health insurance on the exchange? You could literally find that out in less than five minutes. But most people don't even take that step. They just let that hold them back of, oh, they might not offer health insurance. Oh, I can't work there. Right. When in reality, it might not be that expensive for you. A couple of other things to just be that we've heard. Hey, will my schedule be full? Right? This can be a challenge at a small business, at a cash practice. The answer is, is it's going to depend. I mean, when we coach our mentees, everybody who is hiring has the ability to fill a schedule. That's why they're hiring. You might have to have a ramp up period with that. You might have to have a little bit more flexibility. It might not be something where you walk in and you're doing full time on day one. You might take six weeks to ramp up to that. But that is something you can absolutely do and have a full consistent schedule. We do that for all of our people here at Public Sanity. Here's another one. Would I be a contractor? We talk a little bit about this. And this is a whole, I don't know if you haven't heard about any of this stuff. There's a, you know, oh, should my I be a 1099 contractor or an employee? I mean, basically, if, if somebody is offering you to be a contractor, they either don't really understand what they're doing or they're trying to take advantage of you and force you to pay extra taxes so they don't have to pay them. So that's something Which is why in most states that's actually very difficult to do. And we, you get, as an employer, you can get in a decent amount of trouble for that if you're not following the rules. So there are very strict rules for what a contractor is and isn't. But if you as an quote unquote person seeking a job or as an potential employee, that matters with what your distinction is. And you can be a part-time W-2 employee. You can be a full-time W-2 employee at, at our clinic. We have the option to be 32, 36, or 40 hours a week and still be considered quote-unquote full-time and get all the extra benefits of the 401k that we offer and also con ed and mentorship and all that stuff. So, I mean, that's some of the things that we think are the big hangouts for folks. Another one is like, oh, will I have to sell in some clinics, maybe you would. It's a good question to ask at your interview. Great question to ask at a cash PT interview is how much am I actually expected to quote sell services? Or there's a lot of cash PT places that do packages, and that is a place where you have to sell. 
We don't do that at Pelvic Sanity, for instance. We have a lot of reasons why, too much for this podcast, but that's an excellent question to ask in an interview. Hopefully you're actually at an interview looking at all your options, but a lot of our the people that we work with, most of our people that we work with and our clinic doesn't have you do that. We just want you to seriously come in and have the best freaking job that you've ever imagined and be super happy about it. And we only want you to be focused on excellent, excellent patient care. So that's are very biased, but also something we've taken a deep dive look at. I hope you guys can see how excited and passionate we are about the model itself. But our pitch at the end of the day for a cash-based practice is you're going to be treating patients for a full hour. You're going to be doing way less documentation and way more focus on patient care. You're not going to have the insurance kicking your patients out at a certain time. You're going to be able to work with people into wellness. You're going to be able to work with your ideal clients and people who are motivated and want to be coming in to see you you're probably going to be getting a lot more mentorship than you were at someplace else because, frankly, the business owner has a vested interest in making sure you're a damn good physical therapist. And even the fact of having to address those confidence issues of, am I worth $200 an hour, is going to make you better. It's going to force you to be better. You're not going to have those days off. And so those are all of the pros. You're going to be working for a smaller company. It's going to be a little bit quiet. You know, if you really love the big company, like that's not going to be it. At a cash practice, it's going to be smaller. It's probably going to be between two and 10 employees, right? Public Sanity's on the larger side. We're right around that eight to 10. So those are all of the different things to be thinking about. But if you're not happy in your job, I would highly, highly encourage you to at least consider cash practices. To me, it honestly seems like an absolute no-brainer. I have a hard time understanding why there's not a line out the door anytime us or one of our mentees is hiring. So just something to be thinking about. Now, on that note, if this has inspired you in any way, A, Pelvic Sanity is hiring. So if you wanted to, if you're local in Southern California, if you wanted to make the move out, almost half of our PTs have actually moved out here from someplace else for the sunshine and the mentorship and the ability. Let us know. Contact Nicole, shoot her a DM or Nicole at PelvicSanity.com. Send her over an email. So that's that. But we also have something really exciting for our mentorship group, the Pelvic PT Rising family, in that almost 40, I think it's 43 people across the country are all hiring right now. If you want to learn how to grow your business to the point where you can hire, that's a good thing to reach out to us about as well. But 43 of our mentees are hiring at these kind of cash-based places all with that full hour long treatment sessions, all with all of those benefits that we're talking about. So I'm going to put that link in the show notes as well, but you can see a list of all of those. You can search and see if there's anybody in your state, in your area, and then feel free to reach out. That's a great thing to take a look at their website and reach out and ask them the questions that you have. Make sure that some of these answers are what you want them to be, but don't be thinking, I really want to change that narrative of like, oh, that's risky or dangerous or anything else out of my reach or anything. Don't let the unknown stop you from pursuing more opportunities. So, and if it doesn't work out for you and it doesn't make sense, then great. Then you, at least, you know, but there's too many people that I hear are having these assumptions that are stopping them from really pursuing something. And you might actually be missing out on the best freaking job of your life. Absolutely. So if you want to check that out, that is at pelvicptrising.com slash hiring. Again, that's pelvicptrising.com slash hiring. If you have questions about this, if you've had a different experience, if there's another assumption that you want us to listen to and debunk, please let us know. As you guys know, we always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.